A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer, host of The Chemical Show. This week, I'm speaking with Nusheen Shamsili, CEO of Nuco Logistics. I am really excited to have Nusheen on the show because she is an expert in all things marine logistics oriented. And as we all know, it's been an interesting year in the shipping industry. And hopefully Nusheen's going to be able to shed some light on that. Nusheen, welcome to the show. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited to be on your show. I've been watching the episodes and your interviews and loved all of them, exceptionally the ones that with the people that I know. So it's really, really amazing. Well, thank you. And it is a small world that we live in. So there's always multiple points of interconnection, which is always great to see as well. So Nusheen, let's just start out. Tell us a little bit about Nuco Logistics. Sure. So I set up Nuco in 2008, just at the height of downturn of economy and recession, the worst time a startup company could exist. Nuco Logistics is an international logistics and freight forwarding and NVOCC company. But the differentiator here is that we're specialized in export and import shipments of chemical products, hazmat and non-haz in different modes of transportation, such as isotank, dry container, LCL, less than container load, air freight, rail. And to add to this mix, we offer the full service of a range of documentation, which is required by U.S. Customs for import and export shipments. And the last piece of it, which complements our services, is the consulting service or basically helping our clients on terms and the letter of credits if required. So it's a kind of a full service, one-stop shop. And prior to that, I have had a very uh, extensive experience in freight forwarding and container line shipments in Middle East. And uh, my last assignment was in uh, Dubai working for an isotank, global isotank company, who is now one of our vendors amongst the isotank companies that we work with. Interesting. That's very cool. So I don't find that many women working in logistics, much less marine and freight forwarding, much less starting and running a successful business for over a decade. I mean, so what led you to the industry and then what led you to start Nuco Logistics? Well, you're absolutely right. Although we see more higher positions in global logistics companies and freight forwarders and for women in higher positions for women, but you rarely come across a woman-owned freight forwarding company. I guess it all comes down to how do you like your life to be? Do you like to have a life full of excitement? If that is the case, you will become a woman-owned freight forwarding company, which is what my life is. But as I mentioned to you, 
uh, my last assignment was working in Dubai. And when I moved in 2005 to United States, a lot of my contacts and friends in the industry reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you set up your own freight forwarding company? Because we're looking forward to working with someone who not only is stationed in U.S., but also knows the challenges and the culture of the customers that we're dealing with and the type of business that we're handling here. So when I talked about that with my husband, he was definitely a driving force behind that. And he encouraged me telling me that, hey, if a woman was successful in Middle East, U.S. is the land of opportunity. You should definitely do that. So with his encouragement, and I had a very dear friend who became my mentor throughout this process, I set up Nuco in 2008. And I have to tell you, the first two years between 2008 and 2010, it has been a roller coaster. I mean, today we're stronger than before and opening, uh, I'm actually moving into a bigger office in Houston and being uh, more structurally ready for more business and growth in the market. That's awesome. So, you know, you are obviously really familiar with all the supply chain disruptions that are occurring, right? So I think, you know, I can't just about can't open a paper or look at a, uh, an online news source when we hear about certainly right now, supply chain disruptions, container shipments being stuck. What's going on? What is really driving this disruption and how do we get out? You know, what's causing it to happen and how are we going to get out of it? So, yes, you're absolutely correct. We are in the middle of it. First of all, the nature of our business, international freight forwarding and logistics, is as such that anything happening on the global platform would have an impact on our business and we will feel the tremors on our business. So during the pandemic, which officially we were hit by it in 2020, we went through very slow times. But fortunately, we have been able to maintain all our employees and we use this time to actually invest heavily on the digitalization and a logistics software that could really help us with the growth of the company, with the tracking and tracing, with automation, with having access to the data immediately. So we use that period of time to work on our infrastructure and make a digitalization our priority during that time. Makes sense. That's good. Yeah. So fast forward, we went through 2020. If there was a lot of ups and downs, slow times, uncertainty in the market. And there comes 2021 with the promise of vaccination and hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And again, business starts picking up and we feel the excitement in the market, uh, you know, trust in the market, everybody's waking up. And then the incident of Suez Canal and (laughs) megaship being stuck there. Yeah, that was really something. Which is another trigger. I mean, to the disruption to the supply chain and we felt it stronger than before. It caused, as you know, a six uh, long days of waiting and for the vessels on both sides of the Suez Canal. And that caused more shortage in equipment, that caused more delays in the arrival of the vessels, skipping of the sailing schedule. So a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges we have seen recently. Mm, interesting. 
that Suez Canal was quite worrisome. They managed to resolve the blockage, at least, although I know that the ship, I think, is still sitting idle, waiting for some resolution in the courts. Yes, it is a lawsuit and uh, Egypt is trying to recover his money. All the insurance companies, marine cargo marine insurance companies are now involved. So a lot is going on on that vessel. Yeah, absolutely. So with this disruption, you know, so I hear reports of lack of containers. There's obviously disruption. Is there simply not enough? Is there like a big stockpile of empty containers somewhere? I guess that's my mysterious question. I don't understand, right? Like, is there a stockpile somewhere that it's just not able to break loose? Or is it really that it's just, it's slow and uncertain and unsteady? What's, when you look at it on the ground, as you do, what's really happening? Well, we see the shortage of equipment in, I mean, on a global level. In some areas, you would see that, I mean, not only is regional, but it is also a bigger problem. And we particularly see this shortage in the isotank equipment in US, in Asia, and in Europe. So what is happening is that obviously the growth of economy is a sharp trend. It's not a curve that anybody can you know, be ready or at least have a good forecast for it. On one hand, the demand has increased tremendously. On the other hand, when COVID hit, a lot of steamship lines, they canceled their sailings in order to make sure that they will reduce their losses. And of course, with the incident of Suez Canal, it also added to the delays and shortage of equipment around the world. So to answer your question, no, there is not really a pile of empty containers sitting somewhere. And it's not the lack of management that we can get hold of these equipment. It is simply the higher demand and the roar in the economy that we can see has caused this. But one thing we recommend to our clients is that times have changed and the the trend has changed really drastically. And we highly recommend you to plan in advance and place your orders for your bookings way ahead of time. Like how much ahead of time? Like, what are we talking about? We are now seeing people placing orders three to four weeks ahead of time. And even that at the time of loading, then the steamship lines would tell us that, oh, sorry, we don't have space or we do not have equipment to provide you. At the end of the day, no matter how good our service is, how reasonable our cost is, or how familiar we are with the business, if we can't provide assurance of supply to our clients, we're not doing anything. We pull strings through all contacts throughout the world and reach to our contacts and always have a plan B so that if one carrier dropped the ball on us, at least we have a plan B also booked so that we can make sure that our customer can be taken care of. Interesting. So what will it take for things to maybe level out, if you will? So is there something structural that needs to take place in the marine logistics industry to just basically get us back to an even keel like we were, let's just say two years ago? Or is this just going to be our future world, the volatility in freight markets, the uncertainty in the supply chain? What I can tell you from everything that we see on a day-to-day operation, as well as the, all the 
articles we're reading in our space and also on economy, we do not see a good solution anytime soon. So at least 2021 would continue to be such a hectic, I don't want to say problematic, because gradually people are learning to be more flexible with their business, plan ahead and understand that this is going to be the trend in the next few months. So we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, at least until the end of 2021. But it's again, it's all about being proactive and making sure that you're forward thinking, you know that the clients, we're constantly in touch with our clients. We give them updates, the increased GRIs, the general rate increases, or the upcoming shortage that we can see coming our way. And we tell them, hey guys, be prepared. If you have any shipments, please be in touch with us. Let us make the initial bookings for you. And then we will talk to our contacts and we make sure that we have plan B for you. As a matter of fact, in addition to my husband, which is on the business, and he joined us seven years ago. Well, by the way, we're still married. So that's a good news. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a good thing. My sister has joined the company five years ago from Australia. And she's the commercial director of the company. And she has a very good working relationship. She has established these relationships with the vendors, with the business partners around the world. And she's constantly in touch with them and with the clients. And it has so happened that a few weeks ago, she pulled actually a booking really magically that made the customer very happy. But you know it, and I know it. At the end of the day, it comes down to your relationships, who you know, how will people trust you, and what kind of relationship you have had with them in the past. Absolutely. Relationships are so critical across the whole value chain. I mean, it's about life, but it's also about getting business done. And, and a lot of that is through relationships. Yeah. When we look at kind of just the change in American politics, and I know it affects politics around the world, but certainly with the prior administration, there was a lot of tariff activity on China and other places. With the new Biden administration, there are some expectations of some of that rolling back or just a different approach to global business. How do you see that playing out in your space? So when we started seeing pretty heavy tariffs with China, did you see that as a, a negative within your space, right? Did that reduce some of your shipments, et cetera? And now with the new administration, do you see that that is going to drive a change as well in global logistics? Very interesting question. Because often people thought that when the previous administration imposed higher import duty and taxes tariff on import shipments from China, we would see a major drop in the import into United States. Initially, we went through a little bit of a slower, you know, import from China, but it's unbelievable and so amazing for me to see throughout the past 25 years of my life that I have been in this industry, how market adapts itself so quickly. The same clients who used to source out their products out of China, they immediately changed their sources and they went to other markets, Southeast Asia, India, Europe, and import picked up again. As a matter of fact, I'm not really sure if this new administration and from everything that I have read and also I'm reflecting NACD's point of view, which by the way, I'm also a member of it and a big fan of these guys, that 
this is not on the priority list for a Biden administration. Not a lot of tariffs are going to go back. It's going to balance itself out. But in terms of having an impact on the import shipments, no, people found other sources to bring the products required for their customers or as a raw material for their manufacturing business from other sources. And that is fantastic. That is really, really great in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So yeah, they certainly, the supply chains figure out how to rebalance. And I guess you guys move along with it and help with that rebalancing, which is great. So you talked a little bit about digitization. So that is certainly one of the trends that we've seen. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys have done and maybe even what's been the evolution of business practices in the logistics and freight forwarding industry since you started your company to now? Because obviously we had the opportunity to go through probably a lot of modernization in what is often a pretty old school industry. So what do you see from your end? Well, very interesting topic because when people ask me about modernization in freight forwarding, I look at how modernized chemical industry have become because we move along with the oil and gas industry, with chemical industry. And as you know, although there are a lot of pioneers in digitalizing the buying and selling of the products online, and it's a great move, by the way, we have seen it moving across the board, but still the industry likes the old school of picking up the phone, letting them know what is happening, if the vessel has sailed or the cargo has been rolled or what has happened, or has there been any leakage, or everything is good. So still the old school is governing the industry. However, along with that, I consider myself as one of the you know, older people in the industry, but I can see younger generation joining the chemical industry. And these are the fellows that are in touch with you through WhatsApp, text, LinkedIn messaging, And these are the ones who are very interested in digitalization. So obviously, we have to not only cater for the core business partners of ours in this industry, but we have to be proactive for the new generation who's going to replace those guys and all of us. So today, what we can see in the market is that there is a huge need for online tracking and tracing of the container at any point of time, or isotank, or flexibag, or their air freight. And with that in mind, I started looking a year ago for a kind of a software that can cater for this demand and can have all the information and to be linked to the Steamship Lines websites for all our, you know, bill of lading, transfer information and tracking and tracing. And unfortunately, there were very limited number of marine or ocean softwares that can cater for our needs, for this whole need. And to be linked to a fantastic, you know, database of a hazmat product, which is uh, used for our classification and for, you know, checking the amount of import duties and taxes. So it was a very extensive search for such a software. And we finally came across a 
international company that provides this service. It's a very complete and uh, thorough software, which we adopted and it took a few months for the team and everybody hates change, as you know. Today, they're very happy with it, with the software. And through this software, we can better serve the part of the industry who likes to be more digital, to upload all their documents online instead of emailing it as an attachment. We leave it absolutely up to the customer. Whatever way you like to communicate with us and provide us with your information or pull your invoices, your statement of accounts, we're ready to serve you. You just need to tell us how. But deep down, the industry still wants to call them and say, hey, I have an isotank available for you. Do you want me to book it for you? And uh, we're going between these two worlds right now, (laughs) Victoria. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, and that's, I think, one of the challenges for the industry is keeping that relationship, which has been so critical in how business is done and there's a lot of trust built and modernizing it, right? And letting some of the tools and technologies that we frankly have quite heavily in our personal lives come back and drive some of our behaviors and benefits in our business lives. And, I, and it is a transformation, right? It's, it's going to take a while. It's not going to be overnight. Maybe it's a little bit faster than it used to be, but it's still a bit of a time. And then of course, you know, chemical industry is a bit not as modernized as some others. And then I think the marine industry is also just equally not as modernized as other industries, certainly in those engagements. So interesting. So you know, that's a good lead into you and your leadership. So you're leading a successful women-owned business in a pretty tough industry. Um, you're leading some family members, which is never interest, never easy, as well as obviously your other employees. What, how would you describe your leadership style? What has been successful for you in leading this business? Well, I have always heavily invested in my relationship with people. And what I envisioned always was that I will have a working environment for people that they get excited to come to and work in. It's an opportunity for people to actually grow their talents and move up the ladder. The basic thing is that we put a lot of time in our training of the people, of our team members, simply because of the nature of the cargo that we handle and all the details that they have to be fully trade on, on handling hazmat products and being very cautious about different facts. So we put them through training sessions, numerous training sessions, and we give the opportunity for them to grow. And I share my vision about for the growth of the company with them and tell them, look, this is what we're heading to. And you can be a part of this growth or I can see you moving forward. So if you can, or if you want to jump and hop on this train, you're more than welcome. We would like to, you know, grow within the company. And I think that is a fairly acceptable approach. Some people do not want to change their working habits. That's fine with us too. We need steady people who like to do the same thing day in, day out. But the opportunity is always there for people to grow both in their career life. And along with that career life growth, they will grow internally and as an individual. Fabulous. That's awesome. 
Shane, this has been really good. I've enjoyed talking with you. If people want to get in touch with you and learn more about NUCO Logistics or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? So they can either reach us on our phone numbers in California and in Texas office, or they can go to our website and we have a page that has contact us and they can reach out to us. We would be more than happy to hear from them. Excellent. Nusheen, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm sure that all of my listeners are going to enjoy hearing about you and your story. Thank you for joining The Chemical Show. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. It has been a lot of fun. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.